Well, good morning, Grace. How are you guys doing today? All right, that's pretty good. Uh, we had a great time last week celebrating uh, those individuals taking their next step in believer's baptism. Uh, and then this morning, what we're doing is we're starting a brand new series called Recalibrate. Uh, and we're talking about God's will. Uh, and when I say God's will, it, that's a pretty broad thing. Uh, and, and so when we usually say, hey, what is God's will for my life? It's kind of like us asking, hey, what is God's plan for my life? Uh, and that's probably how we, a lot of us would maybe say it. Hey, what, what's God's plan? And, and really, again, when we're saying that, what we're saying is, hey, what's God's plan uh, for my future? Uh, what's God's plan for, for uh, who should I marry? What's God's plan for uh, my career? What's God's plan for my life? And, and what we call that, when when. We're talking about, hey, what's God's plan? And that, that unknown uh, and uh, his will that kind of feels unknown and, and it seems like it's a secret. Uh, what is that? That's God's sovereign will. That's one of the terms under this, hey, what is the will of God? What does that look like? So the sovereign will. And, and with that sovereign will is kind of the, the topic of, hey, why did this happen to me? It's secret. It's hidden. It's, it's God's sovereign will. Um, and that sovereign will causes people to ask the question, hey, can I even know God's will for my life? Can I even know the plan? And the truth is, is that there, God has a revealed has a revealed will, a moral will that he has revealed for us to know. And, and it looks like this. In Genesis, uh, at the very beginning, when God created, he uh, then starts to reveal his plan to Adam and to Eve. And so in Genesis chapter 2, God reveals his plan to Adam when he says this. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden. Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. So already, here's the revealed plan. Here's God's game plan for Adam and Eve. Hey, in the garden, I want you to cultivate it. I want you to keep it. And then it keeps going. It says, then the Lord God commanded the man. Again, here's the plan. Here's the command. Here's the plan. Saying, from any tree of the garden, you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. So there's great news, right? You can know the revealed will of God. Like Adam and Eve, God revealed his will to them. He has this moral will for Adam and Eve. God has revealed his will for you and I. And so how can we know that will of God? How can we know the revealed will? We can know the revealed will by looking at the word of God. And the word of God uh, says a lot about itself. It, it says in, in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, starting in verse 16 and 17, it says, All scripture, all of it, is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, may be equipped for every good work from Genesis to Revelation all, all 66 books that make up one larger book, the Bible, God's word, 
is inspired. Or, or another other version that you might know, it says there, all scripture is God-breathed. All, all of it is God's, God breathed. And it, and it says right there in 2 Timothy, it's profitable. It's valuable. It's useful for our life. And it's useful, valuable because of the fact that it says about itself, it says it's useful for teaching. It's able to teach us what is right. It's, it's useful, it's valuable for reproof. It, it teaches us what is wrong, which is why people struggle with God's word. But it teaches us what is right. It teaches us what is wrong. It, it's, it's useful, valuable for correction because it, when it teaches us what is wrong, it helps us to turn away from doing what is wrong and turn and start doing what is right. It's good, it's useful, valuable for correction. It's also useful, valuable for training in righteousness, helping us keep going and doing what God has called us to do. It's valuable, useful, but it, then it goes on in, in that passage and it says that it's equipping. It equips our life. See, the word of God, what it does is it brings you and I life. That's what happens, and that's why it's so valuable. That's why it's so useful. That's why it's so equipping for our life. Because it, when we're faced with a decision, any decision, whatever that might be, the first place you and I, we should go to every single time is to the Word of God. Like, it, like when, we're, when we're trying to figure out, hey, what is God's plan for my life. First place we should open and turn to is in the word. Because maybe you're asking the question, hey, who should I marry? The Bible is useful, it's valuable in answering that question. It's equipping. It tells us as believers that we shouldn't be unequally yoked, that we should date, marry somebody who is also a believer. In your marriage? Hey, you're trying to find answers for your marriage? The Bible is valuable. It's useful for your marriage. It can bring life for your marriage because it speaks into your marriage. Because marriage all along was God's idea back in the beginning, Adam and Eve, God's plan. So you want your marriage to thrive, you want it to grow, you want it to have life, look to the word. You know what ultimately is planned for your marriage that doesn't end? And the reason a lot of times it ends because we aren't looking into the word. See, we can see God's will. We can see his plan. You know, for your work. You know what happens? We, 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 God has a plan, a revealed will for your work. He, the word of God speaks in to how we should go about working. And, and it speaks in to the fact that how we should interact with our coworkers, how we should interact with our boss, and even how our boss should interact with its employees. It's powerful, it's, it's useful, valuable, equipping for our life. And guess what? 
It's valuable and useful equipping for your money. How you spend it. It speaks into it. The Bible isn't just the authoritative. It is. It's an authoritative, undeniable word of God that's it's able to equip us. It's, it's, able, it's valuable. It's God-breathed. And it's powerful. The word says this in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's like one of my, one of my favorite passages just quote. I, I, I say this all the time, I think, in our student ministry. Hey, you know what God's word says about itself? It says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce the deepest parts of who we are, able to challenge us, mold us to who God is calling us to be. Because the word, it's a two-edged sword. It's able to pierce us and not go surface level. It's able to go deep, looking at the root issues. So when we're looking, hey, I need to make a decision in my life. We need to look to the word first. Because it goes deep looking at what is the motivation behind the decision that you want to make. It's powerful. It, it, it's a weapon. That's what Paul describes it when he says that, hey, we need to put on the full armor of God. And he says, hey, you know what you should do? You should pick up the sword of the spirit. Pick up the word. Pick up the weapon. Arm yourself. You need it when you're making decisions. You need it in your life. You need to pick up the word. And even Jesus, who's God, when he's brought into the wilderness to be tempted, he, he responds to Satan in Matthew 4, 4, and he says this. He says, but he answered and said, it is written. Here's what the word of God says. You ready? Here's what the, God's word, the undeniable, God-breathed word of God says. It says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Can I ask for a second? Would you describe your life that you live on Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So if the Bible is what it says it is, if it is God-breathed, it is inspired, it is by him. It's his word. Are we living on it? Are, are we living on the word? And, and you know what I find really interesting? Here's Jesus, God. As he's being tempted, he's teaching us something. How powerful, useful, valuable, equipping the word is to our life. That Jesus is turning and looking to the word when he's being tempted so that he can defeat the temptation. He finds it valuable, useful, 
finds it equipping enough and powerful enough to defeat the temptation. Why don't we? Why isn't it our first response in our life that we turn to the word of God? It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to pierce the deepest parts of who we are. It's the first place that when we're making a decision that we should go to. It's powerful. And it's powerful because it also, the word of God, it guides us. So you're trying to figure out what God's plan is. Listen to what Psalm 119, 105 says. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word, it's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know what God's word does? It's like a lamp. That when we're walking in, uh, in, in a, at night and we, we, there's a street light, it brings clarity to where we're walking and now we can see a little bit more clear and we can see things around us and now we walk with a different confidence when we're walking. And for some of you, you might know what I'm going to say next. You might, have, you might understand me. Um, at 2 a.m., sometimes you wake up, all right? And then you, you decide, you know what I need to do? I need to go and get something to drink from the refrigerator. And, and you get up, and you go down the hallway, and you uh, get into your living room, and you cut through your living room, and into the kitchen you are. Like, if you're like me, though, for some reason, you decide it's nighttime. I don't turn on a light switch. I don't use the lamps. I know my house. Like, I walk it every single day. I know the path from my, my bedroom to the hallway. and I know the corners. I know the, where the book stand is. And I, I know all of it. I know the furniture's at. So you, I, I just try to do it. But the problem is, I got a four-year-old daughter. And I mean it. She's purposely I feel like it it's like a direct attack on me she purposely leaves things out like she doesn't have Legos yet um, she probably would like it but I've learned from too many of you that Legos are the worst but so she has these plastic dinosaurs you thought Legos were bad um, plastic dinosaurs she like you you give her a hug and she holds that that stupid plastic dinosaur and you know what those things have sharp edges to them they're like, she's going to like slice somebody's throat one of these days. But at 2 a.m., I decide, you know what? I know my house. I'm going to walk it, get to the kitchen. And I'm walking, and there's those stupid dinosaurs on the floor. Because she just leaves them there. And you step on them. There's nothing more painful than anything at 2 a.m. and stubbing your toe or anything. That's, that's definitely truth. Um, but you know what's really dumb? I have something right next to me every night that's charging next to me. My cell phone. And all I have to do to illuminate the house just a little bit is touch the screen. And now I got a little light. And now I hopefully can see this dumb dinosaur and not step on it. Worse, there was, I didn't tell this story at first, but I'll, I'll share it now. One time our dog was out and a, a dog, you get it, um, they, it left a mess. And... I stepped on that. 
That was worse than a dinosaur. But uh, so I, uh, I could, but I could just hit the light, right? Or on the other, the they have a flashlight on the phone, right? Wouldn't that be that was that's pretty handy? But I don't use it. I just I know it. I can do it from point A to point B. I got it. And there's also something else that's invented that's really nice. Like it's called a light switch. That's all I got to do. On, off. I can see clearly if I just on the light. But I don't. I just try to walk it and then it causes pain. Hurt for me. But that's what we're like. You know what the Bible says? The world is darkness. is living in darkness. Because they're not living in light. You know, it says that Jesus is the light of the world. And we're trying to make decisions. We're trying to figure out which way we should go. What, what's the best plan? Even when we're asking, what's God's plan? We're not really asking, hey God, what is your plan? We're going, I know our culture. I know my world. I know my marriage. I know my work. I know I got this. And we try to walk through life in darkness. And what we're missing is we're missing the, the stupid little plastic dinosaurs on the floor. And we're stepping on those. And now we're like, ouch, why is it in my marriage? Why is there pain? Because you're not looking to the word. Why, why? Ouch, why am I not looking as forward to work as I used to? Why am I, I find it not as fulfilling as I once did? Because you're not looking to the word. It's, it's not really that complicated. You want to know what God plans for your life is the first thing we should do is go to the word. You know what it says in Proverbs 6.23, a book all about wisdom, it says, For the commandment is a lamp. His word is a lamp. And his teaching is light. And his reproofs for discipline are the way for life. Way of life. And so when you look at Adam and Eve, and you look at when he says, God says to Adam and Eve, when he revealed his will, his plan to Adam and Eve, and he says, hey, that tree, that one singular tree, don't eat from it. Because it will lead to death. It doesn't lead to life. It leads to death. It leads to the misery, pain, suffering. It leads to ultimately death. He, God's revealing his plan. And, but when we obey his plan, when we follow his plan, when we look to the word, it leads to life. 2 Peter 1.19 says, So we have a prophetic word made more sure to which you, you and I, we, we would do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. We would do well to pay attention to the God-breathed, inspired word of God that's useful, valuable, it's, it's equipping for our life. It's, it's powerful. It's a weapon that we get to use every single day at, at equipping our life for battle. We need it. 
It guides. It's a light. It's a lamp. And if it is all those things that it says it is, wouldn't it make sense? Wouldn't it make sense if it does that? It would do exactly what it says? If it was God's word, wouldn't it make sense it would just do exactly what it says that it's going to do in your life? In fact, that's what happens. In 2009, there was a study done with 40,000 self-professed born-again Christians. And so they started this survey, and they they said, hey, how often are you in God's word? And and just for you to understand, that included a, a Sunday morning. So if, hey, how often are you hearing God's word, or are you personally in God's word? And so that would include Sunday or their personal time, wherever that might be. Um, and, and so this, they're asking that question, and then they ask a bunch of follow-up questions after that. And, and if somebody was in God's word one day, so they just went to church, or two, three days, they maybe went to church on a Sunday and maybe got to a Bible study on Wednesday, and maybe one other day, there was little to no change in their life. That's what the studies showed. What, what was remarkable to me is that four days, for some reason, four or more days, that's when change starts happening. At four days, and I'm thinking to myself when I'm reading that, I'm like, why four? What's so special about four? And, and I start thinking through it, and I, the only thing I can come up with is it's the majority days of the week. Like, one to three, okay, not a lot of change if any change. At four days, change. Four or more, and this is what they found. If you're in God's word, four days or more, the feeling of loneliness, you know, that the insecurities, the, uh, the struggle with maybe even depression, that drops 30%. Anger. Anger, which we looked at last week, uh, and, and as, as Christians, we shouldn't be controlled. We, shouldn't have, uh, we should have righteous in anger, but not something that isn't a part of God's plan, anger. Anger that leads to hatred, we shouldn't have anger. And so anger issues drop 32%. Bitterness in relationships. You know, you're not willing to forgive. We talked about that in the last series too. Drops 40%. Desire to go get drunk. Drops 57%. Sex outside of marriage. Drops 68%. Feeling spiritually stagnant. Feeling like, man, why am I stuck? Drops 60%. Viewing pornography drops 61%. Sharing your faith, 200%. Increases 200%. And so it's not that the Bible just does, makes us morally better. It does. But it changes us. 
You see that in the heart of of these individuals that they did the survey. They want others to experience what they've experienced. They want others to experience the life that they have in Jesus because of his word. And the truth found in it. And so they're sharing their faith increases 200% because they've been in God's word four days or more. That's great news for those of you that are in God's word four days or more. That's great news. Man, you're going to be experiencing life change. But what about the people one to three days? You're feeling stuck. If you're feeling like your marriage is struggling, you're feeling like, man, I'm... Work is, I've lost some passion. If you're feeling like you're struggling, are you going to the word? If you're feeling insecure, are you going to the word? Because if, if, what God's plan is for your life is his plan is that he is enough. That you don't need anything else to fill your life, to bring you life. Jesus is enough. So that's why the feeling of loneliness is dropping 30%. That's why anger issues are going aside. Because they're looking at Jesus who's on the cross and saying, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. So their bitterness towards someone else is going away because Jesus commands us in his word, God's plan for us as believers to forgive. His plan for your marriage, relationships, is not sex outside of marriage. So when people look at God's word, it starts to change them and mold them into who God is calling them to be. For a second, I'm just going to brag. I don't do this all that often. Um, I'm just going to brag on our student ministry. Um, last week, there was our baptisms went on, and uh, um, we actually had, there's three girls uh, last week that got baptized, um, and, and within this last year, all three of them have made a decision to follow Jesus. And one of those was right after our Kalahari retreat that she, she's made a decision to follow Jesus because she was impacted at Kalahari. The other two was around our summer trips and one of them came home and made a trip a decision because of our summer trip. We're in, in that summer trip for a full week. We're just looking at a, a David's psalm where he's asking God, he's praying, declaring to God, search me, know me, test me, God. If there's anything offensive in me, let me move it aside and let me follow you. That's what this psalm is all about. And we studied that for a full week. And, and then a she comes home and makes a decision because she realizes she wants to follow Jesus. And then, fast forward to last weekend, all three of them decided, hey, I'm going to go public. I'm going to be bold in my faith, and I'm going to tell everybody, hey, Jesus has changed my life. And so I'm getting dunked underwater as a symbol of that, that he has changed me. In fact, in our student ministry, there's, by the way, one, that's why your students should go to these trips. That's what happens all the time on trips is that student lives are changed. Kalahari, every single year, 
Students are giving their life over to Jesus because what they're doing out on a summer trip or Kalahari is we're pulling them out of their normal routine that is dark. And we're saying, hey, let's look at what the light has to say. Let's look at what the word of God has to say. And when we look at the word of God, it changes lives. But in also in our student ministry, we have students that are skipping practices just to come to Fuse because they put a priority on hearing what God's word has to say for their life rather than becoming the best athlete or the best trumpet player. And in that, they're impacting their friends. Think about this for us. By the way, I'll go back to it. The stats that I just read, it, that was a, a hole from ages 8 to 80. That's what they did the survey in. If you just narrowed it down to students, teenagers, every, if they're in the Bible four days or more, every single one of those stats is better. Every single one. They Sharing the face increases, all the others drop more. And the only answer is that it's because of the fact God is at work in their life. Which is why every single one of you, if you have students, you should have your student involved in our student ministry. Think about it. You get Sundays, if they come on Sundays, and you get Wednesdays. You got two days, two of the four. Now all they got to do is open the Bible two other days, and that's kind of the stuff that's going to start happening, working in their life. But that doesn't just happen in our students. That can happen in ours. If we allow God's word his plan, his revealed will, if we look to it anytime we gotta make a decision, anytime we're struggling, every single time, every single day, if we're looking at it, we're looking to it, think about the change. Because if it is everything that it says it is, if it's the all inspired, every ounce of it is inspired by God and it is powerful, It's valuable, it's useful, it's equipping. It would change us. So if you, you don't have a Bible, by the way, if you, you wanna grab one out of the chair rack in front of you, you can have that one, or you can stop by room one just right over there. We have Bibles in there. We got some at our information center. If you don't have a Bible, take one. And if you're looking for a place to start, start in the book of John. It's a great place. But every single day, create time for you to spend in word of God. If you gotta get up a few, half an hour earlier, get up half an hour earlier, start with it. So that you can start seeing, hey, what is God's plan for my life? There's a reason he's revealed it. And he's revealed it so you can know it. And so anytime, every time, every day, we ultimately, we should be looking to the word of God. If you guys would, stand with me and let's pray.
Dear Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you that we get to come and we get to worship you. And Lord, God, I, I thank you that you've given us your revealed will, your moral will, your, your word, Lord, so that we can see your plan for our life. And I pr- pray, God, that we as, as a church, as individuals, that we would be dedicated to studying it, learning it, seeing what you have for our life. God, shape us, mold us to who you're calling us to be because we've been in it, because we're dedicated to your word. Lord, we love you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.